Women Taking the Lead, Episode 33. I wish more women had the courage or self-belief that a lot of men have too much of. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. This episode is sponsored by Luma Coaching. Want some support to get your dreams off the ground? Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Welcome to Women Taking the Lead podcast. I'm your host, Jody Flynn, and I'm excited to bring you the male perspective today. This podcast isn't just about women helping women. It's my philosophy that it's going to take both genders working together to promote women to cause change and bring about more equality and appreciation for women as leaders. We can gain a lot of insights from men. So from time to time, I'm going to be interviewing men who work with women around their leadership development. And as our guest today, we have Tim Roberts, who is the executive Director for BNI New Hampshire, Maine, Western Massachusetts, Central, and Northeast Florida. Tim is currently the fifth largest franchise owner in the United States with 109 chapters and over 2,700 members. Tim and his dedicated team of five managing directors and a 30 plus director consultants help their members generate over 87,500 referrals with. million in take-home business in 2014 and over $370 million over the past 10 years. Whoa. Tim hosts the B&I and the Power of One podcast, which is currently being downloaded in 71 countries and can be found on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at www.bnipowerofone.com. Tim also hosts the Success Through Referrals podcast, which is downloaded in 83 countries, and with his partner, Mike, he co-hosts the Tap Handle Show, a podcast about beer that is downloaded in 45 countries. You're really making your way around the globe here, (laughs) Tim. (laughs) And Tim's key to success is believing that we have two options when it comes to our futures. We can let it happen or we can make it happen. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Tell us a little bit more about you so everyone has a good sense of who they are listening to right now. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here and to see the launch of your show. I know it's something that we've talked about for a while now, so I'm really excited about about being on and the success you're already having. I basically work with small business owners and sales professionals and entrepreneurs in focusing on how to help them grow their business in the way that everybody really says they want to grow their business, but very few people get to to the level that that they wish they could, which was through high quality referrals, through word of mouth marketing, and by building collaborative relationships with people, truly profitable, but cohesive relationships. And I do a lot of public speaking, a lot of traveling on what word of mouth marketing really is, debunking the myths about it. Um, and teaching people how you can you can have a predictable, profitable flow of referrals to your business if you just took time to actually learn how it works. And unfortunately, it's just one of those topics that's not really talked about or taught, uh, whether it's in business school or even in sales trainings, effectively. So, um, as a franchise owner of BNI, we we run structured networking groups that focus on that. And you you mentioned some of the results that we've had with our members. And again, that three hundred and seventy million take home money that's commissions people are making not not net sales or gross sales so we're, we're i've been very fortunate to have found my passion and purpose in life early on and have been involved for a long time now despite my age so that's me i guess in a nutshell 
That's awesome. And tell us a little bit about you personally, your family life and all of that. Yeah, so I am uh, very happily and luckily, I, I emphasize the word luckily, married to uh, my wife, Lindsay. We've been married now since 2008, so I always have to do the math on that. <laughs> it, it was in September, but it's it's gone by so fast. And, and during that, we've been very fortunate to have two beautiful kids. We have our daughter, Madison, who turns four years old in a few weeks. Um, wow. And our son, Jake, who, as of recording this in just a couple of days, will turn 18 months old. So, you know, two dogs, picket fence, the, the great old American dream life, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. very, very busy, uh, which is also a good thing. So, yes, traditional yet non-traditional lifestyle you have, exactly. too. Um, okay. And I'm sure we'll probably get a little bit into that, too. But to start off with, Tim, tell us a story about a woman who has impacted you as a leader. Um, I've been very fortunate to have quite a few um, in different levels, so it really kind of depends on the story. I'm one of the best things about getting involved in BNI early on is having members. When I was, I was actually a member of the organization doing a different career, and as I said, I was lucky to find kind of my passion and purpose for BNI early on. But the first woman who ever made a really big impact in me entering business and really figuring things out. Judy was her name, and she was in my BNI chapter, and she actually changed how I even looked at sales and, and working with other salespeople. I think a lot of times we, especially, maybe not so much now, maybe it's changing a little bit, but when I was in sales training, it was very cutthroat. It was very down to, you know, they the what they taught me about networking was just go and tell people what you do and ask for referrals, or even clients, they would really tell me to beg for referrals or demand them even, or, or feel like, you know, have this level of expectation to get them or entitlement to them. And Judy actually showed me how with some caring and some actual uh, interest in other people and being actually open and, and wanting to help them and asking the right questions, you can build a relationship that would be far more profitable than you could ever develop with, with the skills that I was given in sales training. So she taught me, she really took some time to learn about me, learn about what I was doing. She asked, questions that I teach now, so this is what tied to leadership is, you know, I think being a leader in whatever level, whether you're you're leading employees or you want to be a leader in, in your industry or you want to be a leader in your community, is getting people to realize how much you care, right? So Dr. Ivan Meiser, the founder of BNI, has always said something that stood with me, which is nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And mm. over my years of experience, I've really found that to be that to be very, very true. And Judy was the example of that. She was somebody who's in the same insurance field as I was um, in focusing on different products, but her company did what I did. So I always kind of shunned away from, thought she competed with me. And one day she went and took me to lunch and she didn't do what most people would do and try to sell me on her and why I should be using her and why I should be referring her. She just asked me three magical questions, you know, which was, what's your biggest challenge and how can I help? And she just kept asking that three times and dug down. And, and from that, we were able to really changed my perspective on my business, where I was struggling, why I was struggling there. Because I don't, at the beginning of it, didn't even realize what my true struggle was. Um, but then also helped me. And we were both extremely profitable about, from that. And how did that impact your business? What was the change that you saw? Uh, my closing ratios, and I was selling life insurance, disability insurance, and long-term care at that time, went from about 10% to almost 70%. Wow. Um, and it was really just a matter of realizing that, you know, Instead of when I was doing it, when I was trained, it was like they called it fact finding, right? So just gather as much information as you could about the client and then go and, and tell them this is where you can help. 
And she showed me by really digging into what they were telling me instead of just taking these numbers and writing them down on this, you know, budget form that I used to really understand what was going on and and also ask some other questions of, you know, opening up to asking my clients if I could help them in things that I didn't do allowed me and allowed them to do the business with me that I did do, right? So uh, I never once before would ask like, well, can I help you in other areas to save money? And then we can use that savings to come over and do the things with me so it's not any more money out of your pocket. I was just so focused on, all right, you told me this is your budget. This is how much is left. I can fill that, right, with insurance premiums and we'll be fine. Mm. Um, so it was, <laughs> it, it was the mindset that of, of looking deeper and asking how can you help people in beyond just what, what you do and, and developing a network around you that allows you to do that. But it was really just about taking the time to care enough, right? I mean, I, I don't think that I really cared enough about my clients at the beginning. And I sure as didn't care enough about Judy for almost a year plus in my chapter and networking with her to learn more about her because I just was perceived competition. Right. Totally changed your mindset on who is your competition as well, yeah. I assume. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really interesting that you bring up that story because you did, you did say at the beginning, I don't know if, you know, I'm sure things are being taught a little bit differently. Well, I can, I can tell you in the four, four and a half years I've had my business, I've had three clients who sold financial products and all three of them, their method was on the first or second meeting with the client. They would ask them for a list of names, five people that this person knew to start doing like cold calls or, oh, you know, build building up leads. And I remember being like, really on the first or second, you know, maybe third meeting, you'd, like you're asking them to open up their address book and give you the people they know. I'm like, how, how does this go? They're like, it's very awkward and I hate it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, they didn't know any better. I was literally trained to say the words because I'm commission based, the way you pay me is with referrals. So let's open up your Rolodex. Oh, like yeah. and and not only did I hate it, but my clients hated it. it. And I don't care what meeting you're at. I don't care if it's the hundredth meeting. You shouldn't be doing that, in my opinion. There are ways to get more referrals from your clients in a much more comfortable way, but it's just not being trained because the truth of the matter is relationship building, especially business relationship building, to be more specific, is not something that's trained. It, it's infrequently trained, anyways. And you're going to have to like find you know people who call themselves experts and. And those kind of things out there because it's a soft science, if you will. It's um, I always joke in uh, that, you know, I went to business school. I have two business degrees and I learned all about running a business from people who've never done it. <laughs> right. So and that was the biggest challenge. So they don't talk about networking. They don't talk about relationship building. They don't talk about word of mouth or, or led to these these myths. And those exercises that those people were going through and I went through not only led to just a waste of time. Right. I never really got a good referral from it. The conversation I was having with my clients was uncomfortable. Never mind the call that I then made to their friend was even more uncomfortable. Um, but it strained my relationship with my client. And it actually held me back from getting more business from them down the line than I probably could have because of that strain. So much easier, so much more effective to focus on building the relationships. How can I help you? What are your challenges? I love that. Mm -hmm. And Tim, what is something you see in women that holds them back? Um, well, again, coming from my field and, and from what I see, there, there are a couple different challenges. If you look at networking as, as the first part, um, the, the business owners and sales professionals I meet, they can almost sometimes, there's a great book called Business Networking and Sex. Uh, it was written by a friend of mine and, and Dr. Ivan Meisner talks a little bit about this, about how sometimes they can be, men can be too transactional and women can be too relational, right? So 
they focus on the relationship, but they don't ever move it to profitability. They don't ever ask for or or get to the point where they start trying to actually get results from a business relationship from it. Um, and then the second thing that kind of plays on that, and I see in a big, big way, is I wish more women had the courage or self-belief that a lot of men have too much of. Does that make sense? Right? Yes. I think a lot of men are believe in themselves too much and or showcase that too much <laughs> but it's like the opposite for women that, uh, that from my perspective and what i've seen in a lot is they they have so much to offer and they often don't believe it themselves and that, and if yeah. you don't believe it, it's it's, it's just not going to happen i mean even my 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 wife who does more for this company she's my partner now um than anybody you know, when I say we're going to conferences and stuff, I'm like, yeah, we're going to go to this meeting. Well, I don't know if I'm invited. I don't know if I should. It's like, no, you got to believe in yourself. You, you know, you deserve to be here. You deserve to be doing these things. Um, and so it's kind of like the opposite, right? So sometimes guys have too much of that. Uh, a lot of guys have too much of that. And uh, that's the biggest challenge I see. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, there are studies out there too. The classic one is when there, say within a company, there's a job opening men will apply for the job even if they don't qualify for it, right? It lists out the mm -hmm. things you need to have, a degree, this many years experience, these qualifications. Men will be far away from qualifying for that job, but they'll still apply. And women won't apply until they meet all the criteria. And then some. And then some, right, yes. Exactly. And, yes. and, we see that. and then oh. they'll ask if they should. Right. And, then, <laughs> and I see that, you know, I come kind of from a a unique perspective, but you'll see that in when you network with them and you ask them kind of what they do, they undersell themselves all the time. You know I mean? They don't, they don't really showcase their experience or even, even what it is they do. You know, they, they tend to struggle. They downplay, um, their role or their company or their importance and, or their effect that they're having. And, uh, and I, and I think that's a big challenge for them where again, a lot of men will way over, exaggerate how important they are um and how great they are and so it's kind of like that catch-22 they're both they're both bad things yeah yeah <laughs> it's so funny that you put it that way all right we could probably talk about this one subject for an hour but just for the sake of time i'm gonna move on what have you learned from the women that you've mentored uh kind of the opposite of that to to focus more on the relationship i think again um being a man and, and going through the trainings that I went through and being being a little competitive anyway. You know, I grew up playing sports and competitive sports. I'm, I'm, I think it's one of the things that's always driven me. I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur on some level. Um, I'm very competitive. I love those types of things. I'm always studying how I'm doing. At the same time, that can be too much. And, and if you become too transactional, too results focused, um, and don't spend some time on the relationship part, uh, you're never going to reach the potential that you could or get the results that you could. So going back to that statement of, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That was something that I, I struggled with on every aspect of my business from when I was in sales doing insurance and even to when I got into B&I full time. Uh, very much I knew what was going on. I knew what they should be doing. And sometimes my process was, you know, hey, do it this way, too direct, not focusing on really the relationship part of it. And I don't know, so much not caring about it, but just not even thinking about it. So mentoring women and talking about, you know, hey, you need to be more assertive or more proud or whatever it is also made me realize that I might be doing it the wrong way, right? That there's value to the other side too. And it's that happy middle. Um, so both being mentored by women 
and mentoring women, I think, has helped me realize that. And it's still something that I have to work on. It's something I have to be consciously thinking about in my day to day is not to get too wrapped up in bottom line. You know, I'm very high D if anybody's done disc profiles. I'm very like, just get to the point type of person. Yes, take action. Exactly. Let's go. <laughs> um, and that's fine in certain things, but at other parts, it, it can really hinder. So you know, I, I've really had to learn and still need to study and still need to learn that sometimes when I in that way, I get the adverse result that I'm looking for. And it's it's really taking more time to be a little bit more nurturing or to really show passion for the people that I'm working with. Because I always feel like I have it. I've always thought I've had it. Um, I just don't showcase it well enough. Yes. Competition can add a, a good energy to a group. It's motivational. But you're right. That at a certain level, it starts to become a bit much. Mm -hmm. um, and what came to mind when you were talking about that is I remember a group of us worked out with a personal trainer and there was some competition between the group. Like, you know, let's see who can do this many reps. Can you go to this weight? You know, that sort of thing. But at one point there was someone who joined our group and she was probably with us for about six months. And she was so competitive that she would get pissed off right. if she fell behind if she wasn't number one and it started to become toxic, like it didn't feel good. It's like the person you go golfing with and every bad shot they're slamming in the club like Tiger Woods. It's like, you know what? <laughs> I, I want to keep score and I want to win. But at the same time, you know, I want to have a little bit of fun. There's a reason I'm spending these time out here. Right. Yeah. Let's put things in perspective here. Exactly. Right. Even in business, there's got to be some perspective. Like nobody's dying. Nobody's getting hurt. We're shooting for goals. This is, yes, we want to have fun and be, you know, and have some, you know, our eyes on the prize, but let's not have a meltdown if, <laughs> if we're not meeting it. Yeah. And I think mentoring women has really taught me more about, because my, my approach has always come from, I believe anyways, uh, I guess I'm the one saying it, but I care and I care passionately about my clients results because of why I, you know, I, I know my whole reason for doing what I do, but sometimes the approach can be wrong. So my approach was always like, just do this because I know it'll work for you. And I know that this will get you the results. And that's what I was passionate about seeing them succeed. But yeah. if I, what I've learned is, um, and again, something I still need to work on daily is if you're too direct though, that message gets lost and then people just take it as in the wrong way. And now I'm just telling them what to do instead of trying to help them achieve what they want. And so, you know, thank God for the women. I, I mean, again, my wife is the prime example. She is the one person in my life who's not afraid to tell me exactly um, what I'm doing wrong. And, and I love <laughs> her for that. It's frustrating as that can be because it seems to be every day. But it does make me uh, a better person. So I love it. She toned you down a little bit. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> Just a little. Okay. Tim, what changes do you see are necessary for more women to step up as leaders? Um, I think, you know, I think if you listen to the news or you, you read what's out there, a lot of people will say it's it's everybody's it's other people's perception of women that need to change. I, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I think it's to some extent that, you know, there still is sexism, for lack of a better term, out there. However, I think it, it's what I said earlier. It's the self-perception that there are women out there who are more than qualified more than skilled, have more experience than others to be amazing leaders. But unless you believe it yourself, it's just never going to be the case. I'm a big believer in the, you know, the classic Henry Ford quote of whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And I think that's mm -hmm. where it starts. I think a lot of them just don't believe that they're the right fit. They question it. They, 
they don't believe that anybody will listen to them, whatever it is. And the message is, well, okay, then you're right because that's what you believe. And until you believe it, nobody else is going to believe it. I really love that because I love how you pointed out other people's perceptions first, because you're right. You, we don't have any control over that, right? Their perceptions are their perceptions, but really what we do have control over is how we perceive ourselves. And when we change how we perceive ourselves, right? When we feel more confident, when we're more courageous, when we, you know, step up more and believe in ourselves and own our value, we'll take different actions. And you know what? That will change other people's perceptions. Exactly. Of us. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I love that. So Tim, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Um, I think it's the one that you read in my bio. It's something I think about every single day, which is when it comes to the futures, it's, you know, we can have two options. You can let it happen. You can make it happen. I, and the reason I love that and the reason I think about that all the time is because it's it's a living example in front of you everywhere you go. If you really pay attention, if you look, it's kind of a societal thing more than anything. But if you look at the people who are out there just going day by day and and you know, they, they get stuck in this life, whether it's a mindset or, or not, you know, I have family members who still think owning your own small business is crazy. It's so risky. It's so this, even though, you know, our business has been around for 18 years and it has, it's, it's plenty stable. It's continuing to grow. And, you know, it's the mindset of you got to go get a job and you got to go get this career and you got to save in your 401k and, and, and there's value to that. But at the same time, that can be very harmful because now you're just letting things dictate your life. So I'm a big believer that, you know, if you want a better future, if you want things, um, you can sit back and wait and see if it happens for you. You can go make that happen for you. And that's just been a mindset that was drilled into me since I was working for my grandfather at eight years old. You know, I've been working with entrepreneurial family members since since probably before it was even legal for me to do so. And uh, and that's just been something that has been drilled into me. And I, and I firmly believe and wish more people saw that. I mean, again, I work with a lot of small business owners and sales professionals who still are letting other people dictate their success. They're always the ones full of excuses. They're always the ones who will blame every reason why they don't have what they have or I can't or I don't have enough time. We were talking about that before, whatever it is, when you know the beauty of being where we are in today's world, you have all the freedom in the world to make it happen if you really want to. Yeah, and I'm definitely hearing a trend in a lot of the things that you're talking about, Tim, is you really have to put the ball in your own court. Mm -hmm. Right. Keep keep your own power. Don't give it away. And I forget who who said it. It's a quote that keeps keeps making it its way around is that I'm going to I'm going to botch it, but I'm going to say it anyway, is the number one way we lose our power is we give it away. Right. Right. No, we no. believe. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I completely agree with that. And it even goes back to what we talked about with the self-perception mm -hmm. is unless you believe it yourself and see it. I have a, I have a, an acronym that I use for success kind of put what I think are the key principles to it that kind of touches on everything. And I, I call it paid, right? So everybody's looking to get paid and whatever. It's having passion, a true passion for what you're doing. So if you're listening to, to this and you're thinking about, you know, your job or your business or whatever, um, I don't care how much money you make. If you, if you don't absolutely have a deep passion for why you're doing what you're doing, I don't believe you'll ever be successful. So when I left the insurance industry to go to be a B&I person full time, I took an 80% pay cut to do that. And people thought I was insane. And, you know, fortunate I was young and I didn't have family and all that kind of stuff. And I hope that I would be brave enough to make the same decision with my circumstances today if that was the case. But either way, I was miserable. I was making way more money, but I was miserable. 
A is for accountability, like you're talking about, self-accountability, that we all know what we need to do. It's just a matter of how bad do you really want it, right? So I, you used working out. You talked about group. I do a group workout program too. And I see the people who are in there who are eating right and pushing themselves and, and they're getting results. And I see the same people who are going to the same classes, not lifting enough weights, right? They're lifting a weight, but you know they could be doing more. Um, mm -hmm. And then they go out to the restaurant and get cake after and then they'll complain about the results so it's it's being accountable self-accountable which i think is the biggest thing people lack and then individual improvement making yourself better every day and then d, d is for details paying attention to those details which is that perception you have of yourself and what you portray to other people i love that okay now i'm really curious about this because you've had a lot of good stuff that you shared and you do a lot of training to help people get better at whatever it is that they they want to do what is a practice that you have that you believe helps you to be a better leader um i think mine is constant learning is honestly in believing that i don't have it figured out is number one i i listen to podcasts like yours i listen to other podcasts i'll watch youtube videos if i'm in front of a computer i always do something to learn, read, whatever it is. Um, and then I'm, I will keep you, this is going to be your biggest quoted episode, I think, in terms of quotes. I think, uh, <laughs> I heard it somewhere. I can't even tell you where I heard it, but it was just like, that's awesome. That, that is me in a nutshell, which is, I'm very happy, but I'm never satisfied. I love that. So like, I, I think, and I think that's important for people to realize, like, you know, be happy with where you are and what you've accomplished, but never ever be satisfied because the second you're satisfied, you're done. And I think as a leader, that needs to be the case that, you know, whether it's my business and leading our team members and, and our, even our members that if I become satisfied, then I can't expect it to continue to grow or change or be better. Leadership starts inward out. So I got to continue to make myself better if I ever expect anybody else to do that as well. And, and I, and I think you should celebrate. I think you should be happy. You should celebrate successes, but it can't stop there. And I love how you put that believing I don't have it figured out because one thing I keep trying to practice myself is coming with a beginner's mind. Look at things with the eyes of a child, like children yeah. take in so much information and they're able to learn quickly. It's not just because their brains are growing and work really fast is because they don't negate new information. They're so ready to consume what's new, what's interesting. They, they go after their passions and their interests. But they, they don't believe they have it all figured out. They're eager to learn. And I don't think as adults we have a hard time learning because we're adults, we're older. I think it's because we're not as eager to learn. We lose, we lose some of that. And so we have to keep a mindset of, like you said, believing we don't have it all figured out. There's still more to learn. And just to share with you really quickly, because you'll you'll kind of have a, a grim chuckle over this. <laughs> when I became the network education coordinator in my own BNI chapter, which is, you know, for those who aren't in BNI, every meeting the um, coordinator can do a, a little educational piece, three to five minutes, or they can assign it to other people. So you do the coordinating of it. And I remember when I was nominated by my group to take on that job, one of the um more senior members of the group, been in the group for a long while, came up to me after the meeting, you know, to give me some friendly advice. And he said to me, he's like, look, you know, it doesn't really have to be a hard job. You know, we're, you're not going to teach us anything new. So, you know, don't, you know, don't worry about it. And I looked at him and I remember in my head thinking, that's so sad. Right. <laughs> 
right? Because, yeah, I mean, he pro- he has tons of experience, could teach me a lot of things, but I bet I could teach you a couple of new things, right? In the next year, maybe two or three times, I might say something you haven't heard before, or you might have heard it before, but you're hearing it in a new way. It was just, it's it just said so much. And I was just like, oh, man, like, I hope I never come at life that way, you know, and I hope I change his mind. I hope he sees something new, but might not. That's the, one of the toughest things to do. But I, yeah, I think we get away from asking the question why. Right. And so now as a father of a four year old, I'm, you know, I'm kind of getting sick of the question why, but <laughs> at the same time, <laughs> I think that's what happens. We, we lose that, just that curiosity or even just the desire to learn more and and that's why I think most people don't even know what their passion is, because they've never spent time asking themselves, why are they even doing what they're doing? Absolutely. And you, I'll just say, because I know you and I are both big fans of Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, which has also been referenced in this podcast before. But I, I would encourage people, if, if you haven't done that yet, like really figured out your purpose, your why, like why, you know, what's what's the meaning to your own life that you give yourself? That's a great book to start doing that work. All right, Tim, tell us how we can connect with you. Uh, Anybody can connect with us in, or me, myself, through any of our websites, uh, bninh.com. We'll have a place to email or call the success through referrals. Even the tap handle show, if anybody wants to go through that way. Uh, I'm sure they will. Pretty easy to find. And you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the shortened URL, which is womentl.com. And Tim, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. We're all better for having met you. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas, you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching, or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.